I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Capital Calculus, the show which focuses on the intersection of politics and economics. In democracies like India, there's always a fierce contest for political power. The social capital so earned is deployed in defining the government's spending priorities and public policy. So it is fair to say that in a democracy, all policy is politics. And policy moves should therefore be viewed through the prism of politics. Every week, this show will explore this intersection of politics and economics to try and give you a fresh perspective on the week that was. I'm your host, Anil Padmanabhan. Last week, we woke up to a bloody reality. 20 Indian soldiers were martyred protecting the LAC or what we call the line of actual control with China. They were standing up to Chinese troops trying to sneakily redraw the LAC. Chinese perfidy is not surprising. History is replete with examples. What shocked all was the loss of lives. Not since 1962 have we seen such fatalities on the LAC. The tragedy has done several things though. For one, it has put the spotlight on a historically uneasy relationship between the two countries. It has set in process probably the new terms of engagement. Second, it is raising uncomfortable questions about how India has historically managed its borders, particularly with China. Third, this risks distracting India from its two primary objectives at this point of time, battling the COVID pandemic and restoring economic growth. Finally, this face-off can degenerate into a wasteful, low-intensity conflict between the two countries, something like what has played out for the last three decades on the western border with Pakistan. In short, the political economy of this bloody face-off has severe consequences. For India, it could mean missing the development bus once again. Tragic if this happens. China will not be unscathed. It is risking its overt bid to replace U.S as the next superpower, and this after doing all the heavy lifting for the last two decades. Worse, China's strategic blunder may have just buried the idea of the Asian century, the moment where the center of the world would have shifted to this continent. Can you imagine the transformative nature of such a reset? Now all this is at risk. The genesis of the India-China border problem is not recent, it's not new. It has been simmering for the last seven decades. Part of the problem is that the border between the two countries was never formally defined, largely because the Chinese refused to accept it. Mutually, therefore, it has come to be called the LAC. Consequently, the border is about perceptions, yours or mine. Inherently, this breeds conflict. China's perception need not be India's and vice versa. The situation worsened over the years as the asymmetry between the two nations grew. Militarily and economically, India is not a match. 
For China, this meant might is right, a chance to bend the rules. On top of it, India scored a self-goal, a very costly tactical error. It neglected developing border infrastructure, something senior Congress leader and Defence Minister A.K. Antony said in a candid submission to Parliament in September 2013. He said this was actually a strategy adopted by India. Independent India, many years as a policy on border, best defence is not to develop the border. Undeveloped developed border is more safe than developed border. So many years there was no construction of roads, airfields, nothing in the border areas. By that time, China continued to develop their infrastructure in the border areas. It would be tempting to blame Antony's mea culpa for all of India's problems on the border with China. Yes, our politicians and armchair analysts would like us to believe so. But this would be so unfair and so off the mark. Remember, history is never a binary. To understand the nuances of the challenge facing India, as well as the options before it, I spoke to Gautam Bambawale, a career diplomat. He is an old personal acquaintance. We first met when Gautam was serving in the Indian Embassy in Washington, D.C. and I have kept in touch ever since. He was still recently the ambassador to China. Prior to that, Gautam served our country in an even bigger hotspot, Pakistan. Well versed in Mandarin and someone very familiar with all things Chinese. Hence, the best go-to person on the India-China face-off. Welcome Ambassador Bambawale to the show. Thank you very much, Anil. I'm happy to be with you today. Thanks, uh, Ambassador. If I can begin, first off, why does India only have an LAC with China and not a defined border? Uh, that's a very good but very intricate question, Anil. And it will, my answer will, of course, uh, show you and your listeners about why the India-China boundary is so difficult to understand. When India became independent in August 1947 and very soon thereafter, when the People's Republic of China was founded in 1949, India believed that it had settled boundaries with China. These had been settled by the British when they were ruling India and when India was under the imperial yoke. For example, we believe that the McMahon line is the boundary between India and China in the eastern sector of our country. Um, but very soon in the late 1950s, we realized that these boundaries, which we believed were settled, uh, from the time the British were uh, ruling India were not accepted by China. And therefore, later in after the 1962 and in the run-up to the 1962 conflict, the concept of a line of actual control came into existence. And it was only in 1993 when we signed a border peace and tranquility agreement between India and China that the concept of a LAC or a line of actual control came into uh, use in, in official agreements between the two sides. So, Ambassador, if I was to take your conversation a little further, the fact that it's an LAC, it's undefined border, so it is more by kind of uh, trial and error that you define 
on whose side the LAC or where the LAC falls, right? So yes, in that absolutely. case, in that case, it's a very asymmetric situation along the LAC. The Chinese over the last say seven decades have developed infrastructure along the border. We have not. So in a sense, does that like complicate matters? You you uh, are absolutely right. Um, in the 50s and the 60s, uh, and even into the 70s and the 80s, India believed that we should not build infrastructure, we should not build roads in our border areas uh, for some strange uh, reason. The reason uh, roughly ran that, you know, those roads could be utilized by the enemy. But as a result, what happened was that we uh, found that the Chinese were building roads and reaching almost up till the border areas or the uh, the LAC, um, whereas we were finding it very difficult to get there. So the policy was changed in the 90s and India started building border roads. And as you have read about this particular incident in the Galwan River Valley, there is a very important road which runs from Darbuk all the way to Daulat Bay Goldie, and that this could have caused some uh, reason for concern on the Chinese side. Uh, but it is only India playing catch up where infrastructure and road building is concerned. The legendary Chinese strategist Sun Tzu had once remarked, Know thyself, know thy enemy. A thousand battles, a thousand victories. We know India is a democracy and we know China is not. Often, this results in India's tactics being gamed by rival nations. What about China? I turn to Ambassador Bambawale for the answer. So Ambassador, you have uh, till say two years, less than two years ago, served as Ambassador to China. So I guess everything is still fresh in your mind. Uh, give us an insight into the Chinese psyche when it comes to dealing with nations. That's an amazing question and let me try to answer it uh, in a manner which will bring out the differences between the way uh, China thinks and India thinks. Uh, firstly, um, let me say that, you know, one of the founding principles of India's philosophy as a civilization is what is referred to as Vasudeva Kutumbakam, that the world is one family. So we believe that the world is one family and that we should uh, get along with this family, different parts of the family, different family members. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, uh, this kind of philosophy also led to India being colonized by the British and we becoming a colony of British imperialism. On the contrary, the Chinese uh, philosophy can be summarized in the name of China. The China in uh, Chinese, the, the country China in Chinese is called Chungwo, which is roughly translated as middle kingdom or middle country. So the Chinese idea is that they are the middle of the world. They are the middle of the earth and everything revolves around them. So they have a very uh, self-centric view of everything. They have a very selfish view of everything if you want and they are totally self-absorbed. So you can see that there are two differing philosophies of our two different civilizations 
and now of our two different nation states. And I think it is very important for people in India to realize that uh, there are these differences which can explain many things on the ground. Moving to the recent events in the Galwan Valley in Ladakh, it is clear that the reset button has been hit to define a new paradigm for the relationship between the two countries. What will it be? What will be the shape? I turn to Ambassador Bambawale for the answers. Pastor, from what you just said, there is a clear downside risk of this degenerating into a low-intensity conflict between the two countries, something very similar to what is happening on the western border with Pakistan. So how do you see this threat? Yeah. So let me be very clear. I am not. Uh, I am not propagating or saying that India and China should not be talking to each other. No, not at all. In fact, in this kind of situation, I would uh, recommend and advise that we should be talking more. It will be difficult discussions, but we need to continue to maintain those channels of communication, uh, uh, diplomatic as well as military between the two sides. Um, but you are not wrong. I think India will be reassessing its approach and its policy towards China. And in the light of this reassessment, they, we will also be recalibrating our policy towards China. Um, low intensity conflict, I believe that, you know, if uh, China is not going to make some new moves on the LAC or on the border, uh, there could be, um, uh, we, we could avoid low intensity conflict, but if they keep moving as they have done this time round this year in several places on the LAC, then you're correct, there could be a low intensity conflict of the type that we have just witnessed in the Galwan River Valley. Ambassador Bambawale signed off on a very poignant note. He said we have to brace for worse. It will no doubt test India's resolve. So far, what India has done is to signal a deterrence cost to the Chinese, something very like what it undertook last year when it bombed Balakot to send a stiff signal to Pakistan. But remember, China is not Pakistan. To the credit of both countries, they seem to have pulled back from the brink, for now at least. The good news is that both are continuing to talk to each other. Agree to disagree is a good starting point for any negotiation. It is the beginning of a new chapter in their relationship. Presumably, both will be aware how a misstep could nix the idea of the Asian century. Certainly, people of this region deserve much better. If nothing, China should draw inspiration from Sun Tzu, who said, there is no instance of a nation benefiting from prolonged warfare. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. You can reach me on Twitter at Capital Calculus or on Facebook and Instagram at HT Smartcast. I'll be back next week with a new episode of Capital Calculus. Till then, stay safe. This was a Livement production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast. 
Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts.